Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. That me and Lannan are like mortal enemies. Like, people will literally post comments being like, oh, oh, bro, you, like, you should have seen the video today. Lannan, Lannan told Elliot uh, to, that, that he was a potato. Like, oh, man, they, they hate each other, man. Like, they're probably going to fight. Thank you for joining us again this week. This week, we are diving deep and we're doing a bit of an AMA or Q&A episode with you guys. We got a heap of questions, so we're actually going to be splitting this into two episodes. This week, we're going to be going um, all your questions on behind the scenes of content creation, what it's like to actually be a streamer or a YouTuber. We're going to be talking about a little bit more of the money side of things, why people collaborate with certain people and why Elliot has chosen not to collaborate with some people anymore. We'll be giving you a little bit more info on the Click Channel and why we stopped it and sort of some of the behind the scenes of those decisions. So I'm very excited to get into this week's episode because I think for me, that's something that I love is like actually it feels a bit more conversational when we're answering things that I that people actually want to know about. Yeah, a bit of like a quick fire episode. I feel like we normally like we have one like giant topic and deep dive. This is probably going to be, I mean, a bit of deep diving, but also a lot more like just over here and then this thing and then that thing. And what's this? And, you know, kind of like yeah, all over the shop. Okay. Should we just jump into it? Jump in. Grace has been designated as question master and she will ask the questions. And I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing because I, I think we want to do a different Q&A episode with like more management stuff as well. I think this one's a bit more about content. So it's probably going to be a bit more uh, kind of like relating to me answering a lot of stuff. But I'm sure Grace will have a lot of good input as well. So the next, the next Q&A episode that we do, we'll dive a little bit more into Elliot and my relationship and how we work together, how we've built a business together. But for this one, we're going to stick to content and um, being a YouTuber and the behind the scenes of that. So I feel like that is where Elliot's expertise is going to shine through. But I guess to jump right into it, Elliot, this question actually came up a lot. And I think, I think it's an interesting topic to talk about, which was touched on before. But the question is... Basically, what do you think is more profitable, being a streamer or being a YouTuber? And specifically, a question that came up would be, what is more profitable, like a three to four hour stream with like, say, 20 to 30 concurrent, 20 to 30,000 concurrent viewers or a 10 to 15 minute YouTube video? With how many views? With, let's say, one to two million. Look, I would say if you look at creators of uh, similar size, like I think Fresh would be a good example of someone who is, he's one of the largest people on Twitch these days. And he's also uh, one of the largest people in Fortnite YouTube. I would definitely say YouTube. YouTube just in, so it's interesting because the thing is, and this is what I've always found um, so interesting about uh, live streaming in general. Like there's this huge obsession when people talk about, you know, kind of like gaming content creation. Yeah. Live streaming is so often the big part of the conversation. Um, yeah. But but the numbers are just so vastly different. You know, you look at a, a lot of like really, really big channels. Like I'm actually going to, while I'm talking about this. Um, yeah. So like Fresh probably streams the vast majority of the time. Like in terms of where he actually invests most of his time, he does it on Twitch.tv. And he, through all of that time streaming, probably eight, nine hours a day, seven days a week, gets 4 million views a month. 4 million views. Compare that to his YouTube channel. He invests a lot less time in, but he, I think at the moment, is pulling 120, 130 million views a month. Meaning he would need to stream on Twitch seven hours a day for almost four years straight to get the same amount of views that he gets on YouTube in a single month. 
So long story yeah. short, what makes it interesting is people look at the biggest streamers and they look at the biggest YouTubers and they're like, okay, 20, 30,000 concurrents on Twitch, that's a big streamer. One to two million views a video on YouTube, that's a big YouTuber. The thing is though, the quantity of views on YouTube is so huge that I that, that yeah, you do ultimately make a lot more money from being a big YouTuber than a big Twitch streamer. Now what's interesting is, it's not like he would need to stream for four years to make the same amount on Twitch as he makes in a month. Because like we've talked about in a ton of episodes, uh, an individual viewer on Twitch is worth a lot more than an individual viewer on YouTube. They spend way more money. They uh, do donations. They do subscriptions. They do lots of stuff like that. And because of that, they, you know, obviously monetize way better. But just once again, the volume on YouTube is so insane that... Yeah, ultimately, being a big YouTuber is generally a lot more kind of profitable than being a big Twitch streamer. It's so interesting, though, that you say that, like, that streaming seems to hold this thing with gaming, though, and everyone seems to care about the big streamers. And and 100% they deserve to be cared about a lot. But I think we see the same thing with sponsors as well. Like, when we talk to a lot of brands that haven't gotten into the gaming space before, they're obsessed with the idea of live streaming. And they're prepared yeah. to pay really big bucks for live streaming sponsored yeah. content. Even though the views that we could offer them on VOD content, like YouTube content, is so, so much more. And I think, I, I don't know if it's a little bit of a gimmick or it's something that's super unique to gaming. And, you know, it doesn't really translate to any other genre in the same way. And that's why people care about it so much. But it's always been something that I know you and I have spoken about where we're just like, I, I think, I still think, VOD content is far more valuable. I think, both for I think, streamer and a brand. I think VOD content, you can condense a message down. You can make sure that it's super on point. You can make sure that what the viewer is seeing is straight to like, this is what the game is. This is showing it in the best possible light. This is where you can get it. Link in the description. Let's go. Whereas I think a lot of the time, yeah. even if you compare it view to view, a lot of the views on a Twitch stream, someone might wander into the stream and the person's like on the main menu of the game or they're halfway through a really crappy round. They're not seeing the messaging that the brand wants at the right time. And ultimately it's just not, so they're getting less views and a lot of the time a way less direct message. I think that, mm-hmm. um, but, but not to fully discount streaming. I think that the one thing I will give it in terms of why the the one thing where I can understand brands wanting to invest in it is I do think if you look at the relationship between uh, one of Fresh's average Twitch viewers versus an average YouTube viewer, I would say the Twitch viewers are probably a lot more engaged with him as a person. So they're probably slightly more dedicated viewers. But Mm -hmm. once again, I think the disparity is so big in terms of views that I I think you're right. It is a bit of like a, a weird like obsession. I think it's a lot like esports three years ago three years ago brands would come they'd be like we want esports esports is like everything and we'd be like cool 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 um no one really watches it and they're like no but like we heard about it on the news and it's like ah <laughs> uh, like you know i'm sorry no one watches it in australia in the areas that we're talking about to be specific obviously esports globally is is quite big um but but brands will just get obsessed with it and i think a l- you're getting a bit of that right now with streaming because of all the talk about the streaming wars and you know twitch ninja big streaming deals all that kind of stuff what i do find interesting though and this is i don't know if this is reflective more of the demographic i feel like we're getting way off topic here but what (laughs) i find super interesting is if i look at big twitch streamers um you know because even though i I think we can very much acknowledge their names aren't you know their viewership isn't anywhere on the same scale as a lot of large youtubers I have noticed that a lot of the time their brands are much, much, like, are, are very, very strong. Like, I know a lot of Twitch streamers who, you know, maybe pull five to 10,000 concurrents, right? Like, not, nothing that crazy. But they actually have very, very strong brands. Like, their Twitter engagement is huge. They're, like, other mm. social stuff. And I don't know if that's just reflective of a slightly older demographic that they get as viewers on Twitch. But I have My noticed... My point to that would yeah. be... My point to that would be that streaming viewers often watch for a much, much longer time. So the average stream viewership of someone like a creator is like 27 minutes for an average stream like watch time, which is really long. And I think that does go a long way for them building community and therefore building engagement, which goes back to what you were saying. But I think, yeah, long story short, you make more money. Um, Being a big know, It's YouTuber. very hard to compare. It's not apples and apples, but I would say yes, generally being a YouTuber is more profitable than being a big streamer. 
Also, yep. another just small point to make is that you obviously get the residual views. So if you uploaded a video a month ago, you're still making money on a video that you uploaded a month ago. Whereas if you stream today, the only time you're making money on that stream is today. I'd also so put it as there are a lot more YouTubers <laughs> making... There are a lot more gaming YouTubers making seven figures a year than there are Twitch streamers making seven figures a year. Thousand like, percent. There are, yeah. I would say, by a magnitude of probably 100 to 200 times. Like mm -hmm. that would be... There are way, way more people making big money on YouTube than there are making big money on Twitch in the gaming space. Um, yeah. If that That said, it. we love the streamers. We're not hating on the streamers, but that's my honest opinion for sure. We're like, let's do a quick fire episode. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that was minutes. okay. That was literally a 10 minute answer. I, I rambled on that for 10 minutes. A huge rant. Next question. <laughs> Jeez, go, go. We're going to have to get through this. Okay. Are there games that you or other YouTubers, streamers play that you would never record on because it's not good content? 100%. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so badly. Um, a lot of games. Like, I thought I, this was a great question because I know so many YouTubers that are playing games in their spare time that they would just never create content on. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I, I would say I probably, you know, I would say if you look at my content, 95% of it is Fortnite. If I were to break up the hours of games that I'm playing, I would probably say 50% or less of my time spent playing games is Fortnite. Um, not that I don't enjoy Fortnite. I, I genuinely enjoy the game. But there's a lot of games that I'll play as like a, you know, decompress or just to get something different in that, are, that I would never post. For example, um, uh, Ghost, of Tsushima, Ghost of Tsushima uh, is a game that I've been playing like, crazily for the past few weeks like i've been putting in hours doing side missions like totally obsessed with it having a great time but i can also recognize that um i i couldn't post that on my channel i found streaming interesting there like i've i've decided for my own kind of mental uh well-being that say i stream on average three days a week i'm now allocating one of those days to be a play whatever i want kind of day because, you know, if I'm streaming Fortnite, I'll probably get twenty to 25,000 viewers. If I'm playing a random game, probably more like six to 8,000. So it's like a big, big drop. But I, I've, I'll, I'm allowing myself to do it on stream a bit more where it's a bit more casual. Um, mm. But yeah, definitely in terms of video content, it's, it's so important ultimately to acknowledge that um, while your audience is partly there for you, they're also to an extent there to see you in a certain format that they can understand. Yes. Um, like yeah. I have 3000 hours in Dota 2. I'm not posting a Dota 2 video because 95% of my viewers would be like, what am I watching? I don't understand. You know, it's just not yeah. relatable content. Um, I think, yeah. I think audiences, and I'm sure a lot of the audience that will watch this will be like, no, we would, we would love to watch you do a Dota video. But I think, um, <laughs> a lot of the YouTubers that we work with recognize that their channels, you know, this is their job. It's a business. They're building a channel like not just their personal youtube channel they're actually trying to build something that has a consistent feel and an important part of that and some advice that i would give to budding creators is to make sure that you're providing something that your audience knows they can come back for and get a consistent experience every day and that does mean sometimes um you know focusing on a specific game or a type of game and i think there are a lot of games that creators really love playing but that just don't make good youtube content that you can't fit into a easily digestible 10 to 15 minute video yeah and i see and, and i okay. see and i see a lot of youtubers they'll they'll like you know do like a little tweet or a community poll being like oh would you like me to play other games and they'll get like 80 percent response being like yeah 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 and then they put out a video and it dies because ultimately number one the people who are going to mostly respond to those polls are your super super dedicated viewers who are always going to be like like yes no matter what and they might actually watch it but number two it's a lot easier for people to answer yes on a poll than it is to actually then go and then watch the video and like mm -hmm. i know I, I remember key and a lot of the time i i don't think youtubers understand the difference between that like i remember keemstar put out like a, a thing being like oh if i did a ten dollar a month paid subscription for like a premium drama alert would people get it and he got like thousands of yes responses and it's like yeah because people will very happily click yes on a poll they're a lot less likely to then go to your website put in their credit card information and actually make that commitment yeah. So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's just important as a creator to record. And also ultimately, and this is the hardest part, 
the YouTube algorithm is constantly evaluating your channel. If you post a video of a different game, even if it does 70% as well as your normal content would, YouTube is still then kind of assessing your channel as performing lower, which makes it less likely to suggest your next video, which then compounds down, which is then stressful. So ultimately, most YouTubers just aren't willing to risk that. Yeah, I would say that's that's a great point. Yeah. Okay, getting a little bit more personal. What were the early days of YouTube like for you? So when you had less than a thousand subscribers, what was that like for you? Were you viewing YouTube as a hobby that you were going to pursue? Or was there a part of you that was like, no, I really want to make this into a big time thing? Um, I think I wanted it to succeed, obviously, but I don't think I really had like my, my eye on like it ever being a full-time job. Like I, I was like, oh, you know, you can make like a little bit of like really? extra. I don't think in the early, early, early days. I just think that was too big of a stretch. You know, it would be like, um, you know, ask it. How much time was there between you having zero subscribers and a thousand though? There would have been a bit, not not the huge. Like I think zero to a thousand is probably looking a bit too small. I'd say maybe zero to fifty thousand is probably where I was in that mindset of, oh, this is fun. Like it's really interesting seeing like it slowly gain traction. Well, zero to twenty thousand, say. You know, it's interesting mm. watching it like get a few views and gain traction, and it's fun. But there's a huge gap between being, you know, in the you know five ten thousand subscriber range to, um, you know, kind of absolutely blowing up i think i was lucky early on that a lot of my content was uh doing stuff that i know the the tf2 subreddit at the time was talking about so i got a lot of traction there and got a lot of easy early growth um which uh you know meant i was able to skip through those early levels a bit but no i, I think early on I, I genuinely had like a big passion for tf2 i loved kind of making content showing off me getting better at a thing called rocket jumping which is something you can do in the game um and and i liked i like i loved watching people's reactions to it and um yeah ultimately i was i was really just having fun with it and i think i did enjoy i, I enjoyed seeing the the return like i remember i used to wake up every morning and open youtube used to send you an email every time you got a subscriber would be like johnny 12 subscribe to your channel and i remember my my like morning routine would be i'd wake up in the morning go over to my computer and i would open all the emails of all the new people subscribing to the channel because it would only be like 10 or 12 a day um but yeah no i think early on i was i was really just kind of i, I wasn't looking i don't think too far ahead um i was kind of like taking it as it went i think i definitely wanted it to succeed but i wasn't like oh i'm working towards this being my full-time job i'm going to be a professional youtuber if that makes sense mm -hmm. i think that was a mm -hmm. bit it was just a bit too much of a stretch yeah Okay, let's talk about collaborations. So collaborations are obviously a massive part or can be a massive part of a channel's success. I think we've seen a bunch of examples of that, like when the Click channel was happening and everyone was collaborating both on that channel and also collaborating on their individual channels. Fresh obviously found huge growth through regularly collaborating with bigger channels than him. It, it can be a massive recipe for success for a growing channel. What role have collaborations had for you like over the last few years? And you've obviously gone through periods where you were collaborating with people really regularly and then not. So what, what happened there? Um, is in like, why did I stop collaborating with certain people? Yeah. Uh, I think it all depends really. I think it just comes down to, uh, like a lot of different factors. I think there's certain people where I stopped because we had like falling out. There's certain people where it just like stopped being like, didn't really make sense anymore different people play different games i think it really comes down to a lot of things like you know i think if you look at um and also like a change in content style i think if you look at you know uh me and baz for example like love baz mm -hmm. if it like and there's been a lot of times where he's been like want to come play overwatch and i'm like yes keen but i know that he doesn't like fortnite i know that i spend the majority of my time recording fortnite so there's no real point and it just doesn't match up because either a I'm gonna, he's going to be playing a game he doesn't enjoy, which doesn't make for good content. Or, yeah, I don't know. Ultimately, there's things like that that happen. I think there's been uh, there's been a few like more like falling out ones. Like I know with uh, Zilbrad, that was a bit weird. And That was I, a question that came up a lot. Yeah. Yeah, because that was like a big one. Me and Zilbrad and Baz uh, used... Me, it was like me, Zilbrad, uh, 
Daz and Sean Tiridon used to play a lot. Um, and I think Sean Tiridon, there's, once again, he's kind of in the same category as Vaz, doesn't play Fortnite. Uh, so it's kind of like a bit different there. There were a few times recently, actually, where Baz and I, we teed up like two or three separate days. We were like, okay, we're going to like make an Overwatch video together. I was going to put it on my second channel. They were going to do it for their main channel. And both times, Sean, I think, had stuff randomly come up at the last minute and he wasn't there. So we we never got to do it, which sucked. Um, but yeah, no, I love Sean. Sean's a great guy. Um, but yeah, I think with Brad, that one was more interesting. Um, and, and like... And, and I'm sure I had my own things that I probably, like, did weird at the time as well. I know Brad Brad seemed to develop a weird mentality that we heard uh, just from, like... Because we had, like, a big friend group and he'd tell some people what he was thinking and not others. Basically, I think at a certain point he became convinced that... Uh, I think he was... And I think everyone gets competitive, um, which is totally understandable. It happens for everyone on YouTube. But I think he was frustrated that he wasn't getting like head and shoulders above more views than like me for example and i think he was convinced that people were only watching any of our videos because brad was in them because zilbrad was there and he wanted and he was like okay if i stop making videos with muzelk and baz then all their views will go and they'll all come to my channel um which is like oh which is just kind of weird and it was, and there were a few other things, and I honestly forget all the like nuances of the drama. But he went and he did that for a bit, and then he realized that wasn't how it worked. And then he came back and he tried to like make up, and we we're all like, "Are you gonna like, you know, make up for that?" Because that's kind of a huge dick move. And I, I think you know, once again, like a lot of big YouTubers I know, he's very stubborn and didn't want to. And there are a lot of big arguments, and there were things that happened between. I think I think the main tension was between me and him. I know Baz is a lot of Baz at a lot of points was pissed off at him, but Baz was more like the Doctor Phil mediator, trying to like <laughs> trying to like level things out again. I remember. I think that's something that comes up with YouTube personalities a lot is that there's everyone's stressed, everyone's worried about becoming relevant or irrelevant. Everyone has massive egos, whether or not you, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Um, YouTubers have big egos. There is an element there that's like kind of narcissistic and I think it's necessary actually to become a big YouTuber. Um, but yeah, I think that probably plays into it. Yeah, and I, I just think there was like a weird... I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Brad... And I think there's a few people like that. And, and I actually think mm. everyone in YouTube has a small element of this and I'll very much, you know, include myself. I think, I think literally everyone has this. I think there's to a point everyone wants to be doing the best and i think yeah um and i think well I think, I think to get to the point where all of you are you need to have that hunger and a little bit of competitiveness like you yeah. need to be willing to really put it all on the line yeah and i remember like early on with like uh with with click we we're initially like talking to like brad if he wanted to you know join click and i remember he was just like really aggressively like convinced it was like all a scam to like take all his money and i don't know i think he just had a very like guarded attitude towards things and kind of saw i, I think i think he just saw too much of what uh, of people around him as a me versus them not as much mm. of like a kind of friend group making content together which i think ultimately makes it hard to be a friend group that makes content together because yeah it just it makes it makes it weird just makes it weird you're like okay this is kind of strange now ultimately i'm sure i did a few things as well that that weren't great and i'm sure like ultimately you know going back 2020 uh, like 2020 hindsight there's things could have been done better on both sides but yeah i think i think ultimately brad was someone where i've seen him i saw him recently actually like he oh let's say recently like eight months ago at a youtube thing and like said hi had a chat i don't hold anything yeah. against him i think i'm sure I th it sounds like he's matured a lot since then i've matured a lot since then um people change a lot of the time a lot of these y young youtubers you're watching are um you know we're literally like in our teenage you know you're like eight you're like 17 18 19 yeah like you're, you're pretty immature in the scheme of things you, you don't realize that until you're like 25 but um but yeah I, you know i i think I, that's the same as like people who were dicks to me in high school i'm like friends with some of them now i don't i don't hold any of that against them because i've done dumb things other people have done dumb things everyone everyone changes yeah a hundred percent 
how, do you feel like that played into relationships at all with the click channel as well and your relationships with each other like obviously you used to collaborate more with people like loser fruit and that sort of thing oh i mean i'd say it's pretty much the same thing you know like i said baz cray they don't really play fortnite anymore um yeah. you know like i like i love baz and cray like we went out and had drinks two three weeks ago just kind of like caught up had a good chat and like i think we're gonna plan another one soon just i think on the on the content side you know like cray will <laughs> very publicly tweet every couple of weeks like i would rather die than play another round of Fortnite. that's kind of like okay cool but like if they were to text yeah. me if they were to message me today and be like hey do you guys do you want to do like a little like cheeky like fun going back to overwatch video i'd be like hell yeah let's do it um yeah so yeah no like i, I think on that front 100 i think uh I mean, we've talked about it before. I think me and Lufu always have this weird tension where we're both uh, equally stubborn-minded, hard-headed people. And I think stubborn, mm -hmm. hard-headed people often tend to clash. Um, but yeah, same. Re uh, but also same thing there. Like I, I enjoy when I play games with any of those guys. I just think that it's yeah. kind of like uh, different different spaces in terms of what we're all doing at you moment. go through different phases like you've been you've been making youtube videos for like six years now it's kind of like friendship groups or the people you want to work literally with. like sometimes that will just change over time like you go through phases where you're really close with someone and then you're like oh this person's focused more on this or this person's focused more on this or like oh we just like aren't 100%. feeling the same way that we did a few Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ago, it's like how it's like pretty normal it's yeah. like how everyone Oftentimes in high school there's not like tea behind it no 100 percent. like there's there's really not i would say the vast majority of people i have made content with and then no longer do i'm on great terms and i'd love and I'd, anytime they want to hang out i'm always there just different circles i think it's like you know how yeah. everyone in high school is like oh, we're gonna be best friends forever and ever and then it's like you literally one month after leaving high school they're doing their thing you're doing your thing they're in yeah. one college you're in another you've got your own friend group just happens that was a question that came up a lot around the click channel and like what are the relationships like with people now and that you seem more distant from certain people or closer with others that sort of thing and like how much of that was impacted by leaving the house and that sort of thing uh i think i'm pretty i mean obviously i'm just as close with like lannan and fresh and all those guys i think i'm just as close with um baz and well obviously not just as close we're not living together anymore but I, but yeah. I, but i but i think i'm on like you know i'm still good friends with baz and cray i think once again me and lufu always had weird tension um just is is what it is uh but yeah no i, I don't i don't hold any of that against her i think we're just i just think we're two very clashing personalities and yeah. I, think, I, I think that I think that you know she's done things that were kind of like a dick move to me. I think I've probably done things or a dick move to her. Um, but I but I think that the vast majority of it isn't anyone doing anything proactive. I just think it's kind of like just web stubborn, hard headed people who kind of like things to be the way we like them. Yeah, yeah. You can just be on different paths from people. Yeah, as 100%. Well. Or like, I, I think it's sometimes hard. Sometimes you really gel with people and you like relate to their ethos and their way of like going through life. And sometimes yeah. you don't. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person or it's the wrong way of doing it. It's just like, oh, it's just like not my kind of, yeah. it's not my vibe. 100%. I, I, think it's, I think it's really hard because a lot of the time when you're a creator, your community kind of like places a narrative on you they're like this is the way that the things are <laughs> you are the friend with this and this is your enemy like for the longest like people still think that me and lannan are like mortal enemies like people will literally post comments being like oh oh bro you like you should have seen the video today lannan lannan told elliot uh to that that he was a potato like oh man they they hate each other man like they're probably gonna fight they're probably gonna have some huge falling out it's like no like like you know, like Lannan and Elliot probably will one day be brothers. You probably what? have dinner together like at least a couple times every couple weeks. Yeah, like 
You like, spend hours a week together. It's like, are yeah. you working together every hour? No. And I think it's be? like, no. And I think it's, <laughs> it's also interesting. And I, and I know we've talked about this before, um, but I, I think the way I will put myself forward in content sometimes, I think especially in group content, is I'll be the more like, uh, I think I think that the character I put forward in those group videos a lot of the time is the one that's like a bit easier to like hate on. So I think a lot of the time yeah. like, I'll make myself kind of like the emotional punching bag in a video. Like you know a lot of click videos, I'd say something dumb and just let everyone like lay into me because that was the entertainment factor there. And I think yeah. sometimes people there will be like, oh yeah, everyone everyone hates Elliot. Or like I'll make like a jokingly like hyper arrogant comment being like, yeah, but like guys, like we all know I am the actually like coolest one in the group. And everyone will be like, oh. No, like, and then everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, they hate how they they hate they they hate Elliot," and it's like, no, it's like that's. I think I think people don't understand that there are, you know, not not that people are acting in YouTube videos, but people aren't play into a certain character. Yeah, people play into, plays into like the Bogan Australian. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, he leans into that for sure. Yeah, because it's it's an amazing. It, it's not even. I don't even want to say it's a narrative because. It is him. That is 100% him. But I yeah. think, like, the role that people... Like, Dr. Disrespect, that's not who he is in real life. He Dr. Disrespect, I'd say, that. is... I'd say... I'd He's say, a character. I'd say Dr. Disrespect is very much a character. Yeah. But I would say most yeah. people... Most people are, like, you know, say, like, 30% different to how they are in reality. Like, I'm sure I'm... Yeah. I'm sure I'm a bit arrogant and I just switch it up. I'd say they're, they're a charged-up version of themselves. Yeah. For sure. 100%. I think, like, you and Lana are also different people different types of creators which i think is a brilliant thing because there are all different types of creators that can be very successful you don't there's not a cookie cutter version of what you have to do to be successful and i i if i was a small creator i'd find that so exciting like i think like lannan is through and through a creator at his core he just loves content he is happy to go into a little editing hole for five days by himself and not think about anything else. He won't answer an email. He won't answer a text. Like he will just fully go into video making mode. And I think that's partly what makes him brilliant. Yeah. I think you, on the other hand, you actually love like having your hand in multiple things and thinking about like the more business element of things or having thinking about click at the same time that you're thinking about your channel. And yeah. I think that's what makes you brilliant. And yeah, so I think like if I was a small channel, I'd find that I, I think that's what is so great about YouTube is there is no cookie cutter version to what you need to be to be successful. Yeah. You can lean into your strengths and, and find it that way. Um, okay, this was an interesting question, I think. Did politics have any impact on how we worked with click? And this, I think, is a really interesting question. I'm assuming you're not actually talking about politics, but more like social politics. Cray was a diehard Republican. <laughs> and I think, um, I think it did. I, I, I think there are elements where it did and it was hard. As in to... like emotional politics? I think there were times where, for example, if we were scheduling when we were going to film a video and we always tried to make sure that everyone was in the video at the same time and I think there were times where for example like if Lannan couldn't make a video or if you couldn't make a video we'd want to we'd want to reschedule that to make sure that you guys were there and I think um I think that's you know did it have to do with the fact that like you and Lannan were bringing a huge amount of viewership to the channel and and viewership to the videos. Like I think that probably did play a part. To to clarify, we never had to really move. At least in the early days of recording for me, I was always there for them. <laughs> you actually were very punctual. Me but, and Baz. You know, everyone has different things on. You and Baz. You and Baz. I think yeah. like Baz missed like one recording, which was. Yeah, I don't even was, know if he did. He a, yeah. He was super punctual, but um, but yeah, I think like that was something that we often tried to make sure worked um yeah like and, i think and yeah yeah i think it was i think it was always hard like it, it's ultimately hard navigating i think a project like that for a lot of reasons because ultimately uh from the outside looking in um you know everyone just sees it as like a fun friend group doing whatever they want to do like it's just people having fun behind the scenes there's a house that is costing eight thousand dollars a week 
for almost half a million dollars a year to pay for in rent. There's also yeah. cleaning fees on top of that. There's production costs, there's admin, and ultimately that gets paid through making content. So I, I do think that there, I, I would say the politics um, when it really came down to it was just trying to navigate the tension between um, obviously wanting to just be like understanding of people and make it like a fun, relaxing, chill environment, but also understanding the reality that making those videos is what is paying for the rent. So I, I think ultimately yeah. a lot of the tension really did come down to the the uh, economics of it and the and the financials of it. I, I like in across all aspects, I'd say it would be around like things like keeping the house clean and not damaging things and being respectful so that uh click doesn't have to pay for like a thousand dollars of cleaners or um or, or you know things like being like uh if we had like a shoot scheduled and someone kind of waking up on the day and being like oh not really vibing it today like i might miss this one and it's kind of like yeah and it's kind of like ah, oh, but like yes because you know this is you know we want everyone to be happy but also like this is the third time that's happened now this yeah. month. And and we would have like editors, yeah. we'd have videographers, we'd have like people actually working on bringing those videos to life. And sometimes if we had someone just wake up and be like, no, I don't really feel like it today. It was just like, shit. And you it's know? hard, like, and it's hard yes, to navigate. It's really important. But at the same time, it's like, we have employees and it's like, it was hard for us to tell employees that like, sometimes the creators mattered more than they did and and i don't know that was that was really tough or like video ideas i remember was like a point of tension where it was like sometimes we would have video ideas that people might want to do sort of um or we would have video ideas that we were really confident would be well performing and there was a tension there where it was like we wanted to make sure that every video we uploaded the maximum amount of people would love it and would click on it and sometimes there would be ideas and it was like, yeah, that's like a fun thing to do. But is that an actual YouTube video? Like, is that actual content that someone would want to click on? And yeah. for people that are making a video for a channel where they don't have to pay all the bills associated with it, they maybe didn't care about that as much as we cared about making sure that like, okay, if we upload it, is the audience actually going to respond to that and enjoy it? Yeah. yeah. So I think I think there were tensions around or, or political elements, if that's what you want to call the politics. Yeah, there were tensions because we were a small business. We had a huge amount of responsibility and cost on our shoulders. And therefore, we had to make decisions that were kind of in line with that. And I think sometimes yeah. people in the house didn't want to hear that. And I, you know, in hindsight more, I understand why you wouldn't want to hear that because you don't want to have on your shoulders like, oh, like this is costing other people money or I'm costing people money or we have to do something that's, you know, yeah. going to be able to pay the rent. That's that's a stressful thing to hear as well. But also it's a reality of of growing a business and, and actually doing this thing, like to even be able to do it. That's what we that's the sort of way that we had to be thinking about it. Yeah, and I think and I think the other the weird what makes it a weird thing to navigate is that, you know, most YouTubers like don't be wrong, like most YouTubers work hard, but ultimately at the same time, they're like, you're your own boss. So you you can wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I'm not vibing it today. And you can just not stream. Yeah. You know, you can just not stream for that day or not make a video for that day. You can take that day off. But like 99% of people watching this are, and, and you know, like same way that, you know, most people do their job is like their job is their job. You can't wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I don't really vibe going into work today. I'm just not going to go. It's like, unless you're sick and you have a reason, like work is work so i think that was like the weird that they, they were the two ends of the spectrum where it's like creator job and ultimately uh i think from clicks end like we needed getting videos made to operate more as a reliable thing because there are people organizing them and then production teams waiting on the day to film them and also it's literally paying for the rent on the most expensive house you can get in sydney and i think that it was kind of like a weird two ends of the spectrum sometime and I think that sometimes the stress of that kind of led to bad things in both directions. I think that like it, at certain yeah. times, like 
at certain times I said things that were like not like that weren't fair. Like I go to the guys, but like, guys, this is just flat like ridiculous. Like, do you know how expensive this house is a week? Do you know the financial stress behind it? You can't be acting like this. Like it's just disrespectful to all the people like putting work in the house. Is, you know, yeah. I'd like I would use the fact that like clicks paying for all the rent as like a way to try and be like you need you can't like just be bailing on recordings like it needs to or, or you know other shit yeah and that was like responding to messages or not or, or like or yeah we literally have like group messages where everyone where we'd be like okay guys it's a shoot day is that okay is that okay can you respond please hello five days later nothing and it would just be like oh my god but i i think sometimes i would get super frustrated if stuff like that happened and i would then say stuff like that which isn't okay because that's not a mature correct way to deal with an issue um and yeah and then i think on the other end there was uh a lot of a lot of times where i think it's very easy you know when you have like a group and i think people could get together sometimes and be like and you know talk amongst themselves and you know kind of make what grace is trying to do with like pure good intentions make her like an enemy and i think ultimately what was extra hard was i was smack bang in the middle of that friends with this group also clicks like a company that i'm trying to like help run and justify paying for the house with and i think that i was often really stuck in the middle with like you know grace and emma on one side being like oh my god this is super stressful and then on the other side being friends with everyone here and wanting to make sure they're happy and also just genuinely like wanting to have a good time and i think it sometimes put me in a super hard spot where i had to try and navigate both and yeah it you, was were in a, weird. you were in a tough spot it and i think weird. that leads into the next question that someone asked which was uh what were the what were the main thoughts or what were the main stresses when you decided to end click and for me it was you know th- those were feelings that were coming up but for me like the worst part about ending click was that i genuinely feel like we had something so special and I yeah. feel like we had something that had so much potential and there are very, very few groups um, on YouTube that are actually able to do what we did or have the resources to do what we did. And um, I, my pet peeve is wasted potential or feeling as though there were things we could have done that we didn't. And, and I do feel that way with Click in some ways and it's okay and it ended at the right time and it has meant that we're able to focus on different things and other things that like, I know you guys will like, um, like sneak peek for you guys listening to this. Like we have a new channel launching very soon with a new group of people that I think you will love. Um, and we couldn't have done that if click didn't end it. But yeah, for me, the biggest stress was feeling like crap. I feel like we've got something special here and we've just invested all this time into making it great. And you know, could we have gone on tour? Could we have like, done a reality tv show could we have created more and bigger videos could we have done a podcast like all these additional things that i genuinely think would have been great for the group but also would have been great for those individual people and and it sucks like you know i look at their views now and like some people in the house their views have really declined since leaving the house and that's okay like views aren't everything but for me i just hate the feeling of wasted potential because one of the reasons I was so excited to do it was was to obviously like see these personalities grow, and um, and sometimes I feel like there's more we could have done there. But what about you, Elliot? Yeah, no, I mean I think it was hard. I think I think obviously I think both sides certain things could have been navigated better. I think I, I think at the end of the day it, it was weird. I I think it was hard because I couldn't really pinpoint why things didn't end up going well. I think ultimately like people really got in their own heads. And I think ultimately like yeah. it took a lot of talking, but like literally I remember like we were trying to like, there was like a, a good, like, you know, towards the end of that year going into the new year, there was like a large point where we were really working so freaking hard trying to like get the guys together so we could like keep making videos and like, and everyone would come in for a shoot and then, and everyone would just like sit around and be sad and, and mopey. We're like, okay, like, why is this happening? Like, let's try and figure it out. And, um, you know, like we'd go through. I also hate that. Oh, I hate, like, I hate the feeling of feeling like, um, I, I hate like you've got a great opportunity and you're not making the most of it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I hate when there's just a problem and I can't identify it, but, um, but, but, you know, and I'm sure like a lot, like you could go back and be like, okay, well, like ultimately we ended up at that point because of stuff that happened six months ago. And I do think that plays into it, but I also think at a certain point, um, 
I don't know. It was it was it was just weird. Like I, I remember there was a certain video where you know things were pretty fine, and I remember just at one point, like it was a it was a really it was a fun video idea, and I remember at one point looking over and just like people were just like moping around, just being like sad, being like, all right, yeah, my turn. Like I think people just really lost the excitement and the passion for it. And I remember there was a large point there where we're like, okay, like we want to do everything on our end to get everyone like back on board and happy. And we sat everyone down for me like, exactly what do we want to do? This, 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 this. And I think to a very large extent, I think Click probably did 80, 90% of the things we really wanted to. And I know that like a yeah. big, but, I, but there was just like, I, I think once again, at that point, I think a lot of the guys just lost the excitement for it so there'd be things like they'd be like okay like we want to bring more ideas to the table and we want to do like you know like we don't want click bringing as many of the ideas and we're like fantastic we actually don't want to bring the ideas because that's actually the majority of the work if you guys can come up with good ideas they're probably going to perform better you'll be passionate about them and like and that's awesome we don't want to bring the ideas and then everyone yeah. be like, okay, cool. And then no one would suggest anything. Or if they did suggest something, it would be like, oh, let's uh, do um, the click uh, go click goes to the ocean. We're like, okay, like what what, what are we doing that? Like, what's the video look like? Is there a challenge? Like, is there a narrative? And then in the DM group, be like, hello, Re- hello, respond, please. Basically, yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, but but ultimately, starting a group is hard. It's hard. And I think ultimately it's the problem really was hard. by the time we really got to the point where we were really working hard to fix it, I just don't think that people really wanted to fix it at that point. Yeah, um, I think um, yeah. I think starting a group is challenging and to take it to the level that we wanted to take it to it requires having a large number of people that are fully on the same page and fully committed to the same vision. And if you don't have that, if you, if you even have like one or two weak links that can bleed into the results of everything. Yeah. Which is why I have so much respect for like the Sidemen. Um, I'm trying to think of another group, but honestly, I think no, honestly, like, I think the only group that's been able to do si- it long term to the success. Sidemen, Sidemen blow my mind. Afterclick, I have so much freaking respect for them. And yeah. I know, and, and the thing is, like the interesting thing about Sidemen is um, they do so much more of the workload than any of like any individual did in click myself included like literally they assign someone the duty to like get a video done on a week they have to come up with the idea they have to like organize large amounts of it they need to make a full plan they need to like get it all like they take on a huge amount of the workload themselves and they have like an assistant who will run around and do some of the like little stuff i remember by the end of click because people were saying that like we realized that people weren't you know weren't as interested in putting in the amount of time so then on like on the click management side we'd ended up hiring a full-time producer an editor an extra editor to get on top of stuff as well there was grace running around we had an assistant basically like five four or five people who were like running around organizing house stuff video stuff editing stuff recording stuff production stuff everything and it just still wasn't enough because ultimately if you know, the recordings just don't have that energy and people aren't bringing, you know, the ideas and, the, and they don't feel invested in it. Like that's, that's just going to happen. And I think ultimately, yeah. It's a I, challenging I don't... part of it. It's a challenging part of working in talent is that ultimately you're very reliant on the talent. And, and that was something that I found challenging. I still find it challenging working in talent and I, I love my job, but I think anyone that works in talent finds that as a challenge. Um, but I'm, I'm confident that we did the best that we could and I have no regrets. I feel like we laid it all on the line. We did as much as we possibly could to make that a success. I'm really proud of all the success that we did have with it and, you know, all good things come to an end. And, um, and as I said, I think it's opened up space for us to do a lot more exciting things. And I think one of them will be coming to fruition probably within the next few weeks. Um, so I'm really excited for everyone to see that and hopefully love it as much as we're excited about it. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, okay, second last question. What do you think about the difference of doing a few really high quality monthly uploads versus daily uploads? So for example, if you were to compare the upload schedule of someone like um, Lannan, Laserbeam, or someone like a... Fresh or Lachlan that's uploading much more frequently. 
I, I think it literally just all comes down to the individual. I, I think it's, it's literally, I, I don't think you really can compare it. For example, I, like, I, I think that, uh, th there's just a difference between that kind of like high end comedy content versus gameplay content. And I don't think that it's like one is worse or one is better. I think it's, it's just two completely different ways of going about YouTube. And for example, I think that you really, and the, the interesting thing is I, I think you really need to like invest in that over a long period of time. Like you can't suddenly go into making high-end videos after making normal videos, right? Because your mm. audience is still expecting you to make normal videos. So it's not like your, your high-end video is going to get a ton more views or, and also your audience is going to be like, where are the uploads? I think that, um, yeah, I, I think it's just completely two different ways of going about content. I personally don't think that Fresh or Lockie or me is capable of making videos that Lannan makes. Lannan has his very unique humor style. He has a way of going about things. He's made that style of video for years and years and years. He can do that. I don't think Lockie can. I don't think Fresh can. And I don't think I can. Um, yeah. I, I think that we will do videos that do kind of, you know, reach... 70% of what that kind of content is. But I think it's it's very, very hard to pull off videos uh, that are like super, super high quality. And part of why Lannan does that is he edits his own stuff. I have an editor, Lockie has an editor, Fresh has an editor. And I think it's all just a trade-off. It's, um, yeah, it's just fully a trade-off between content. I don't, I same with Twitch versus YouTube. I don't think one's better or worse. I just think they're different. <laughs> After we did a 15 minute rant on... <laughs> why I, youtube's better than twitch <laughs> i i think youtube's bigger than twitch i don't but i don't think pursuing one or the other is better or worse i just think they're different i think youtube is a very strong platform and i yeah. think for many people it will always be the superior platform and whatever other and i think they're on whether that's like short form or, or streaming if you can make it on youtube and you can find a really dedicated audience there then it has a lot of staying power and I think they will ultimately win the streaming war. I predict the same. As we are filming, there's been no update on the whole disrespect ninja shroud situation. <sighs> but we'll we'll find out eventually. Dude, oh my god. I can't believe they're making us wait this long. No. Crazy, crazy. All right. I think that is a good place to finish this episode. As we said, the next um, AMA or Q&A episode that we're going to do, we're going to be talking a lot more about what it's been like to build a business, what our relationship is like working together. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Remember to... Um, Take a photo of yourself listening to the episode if you're listening on audio and then post it on your Instagram story. I see a lot of people doing that sometimes and I really like it. I think it's a good way to show your friends that you're listening to a new episode. But either way, subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow us on Spotify and Apple and see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.